It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for being with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. And we are happy to have joining us the Deputy Director for Policy at the Arizona Department of Transportation, Kevin Beastie. Thanks for taking the time with us, Kevin. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Kevin, so glad to have you here with us today. Well, first of all, congratulations on your 20 years with the DOT in Arizona, a department that's been a pioneer in making autonomous mobility a reality. Since you've seen this evolve from the inside, give us a a little view of how this all came about. Sure. Um, So back in about 2009, 2010, there was a lot of discussion on the national level and I'd say international level among infrastructure owners about this talk about self-driving cars are coming. Um, And as an infrastructure owner, we had to um, engage and figure out, okay, well, what does this mean? What does this mean for our infrastructure? Are we gonna have to do anything substantially different? You know, there's talk of sensors in the road, signs, smart signage, uh, V to X, V to V. So um, there was a lot of, you know, discussion at the national level. We're part of many national groups uh, and organizations. Um, So we began that dialogue trying to seek answers. Around the 2012-2013 timeframe, there was actual legislation proposed primarily in the Western states to have DOTs or Department of Motor Vehicles. And here in Arizona, that's one entity. So our motor vehicles is part of our department. And it was a piece of legislation that was introduced to have the DMVs or the MVBs here in Arizona um, develop standards for testing these vehicles. And in 2012 and 2013, in each of those legislative years, there was a bill to do that. And that really kicked off the dialogue because quite frankly, we weren't ready to start developing regulations for a technology that we haven't seen, we haven't experienced. There's really, there was really no discussion among the companies and, and at least the governments in Arizona. So we took that opportunity to engage with the companies and that really kicked off the discussions. Um, it increased our involvement with national groups and, and, and the desire to work with, the, with these companies. Um, and as we continued to evolve in this space bet- between that time and, and when Governor Ducey came into office in 2015, um, and he was, he was very excited about technology and how these uh, advancements could help, you know, the citizens of Arizona. And what we, we decided, what we began to, to see is that what we're talking about early on is testing vehicles. Well, we've been testing vehicles on U.S. roadways for decades. I mean, how much different is this, particularly when you have an operator in the vehicle? You know, GM and Ford didn't come to each state and said, hey, we got this whiz-bang technology called an automatic transmission. Can we, you know, test this on your roadways? So, so that really was the impetus to, to look at, okay, what's our current regulatory structure? What's the current regulations about this um, activity and how can we use that as much as possible 
So that began the, the discussion about using executive orders to kind of focus the state into the direction where we want to go as regulatory agencies. And then from that, we've been able to evolve and enshrine some of the best practices from those uh, executive orders. And we just did that this past session in House Bill 2813. So that's kind of the you know, elevator pitch of, of how we got to where we are today. Why, do, why is, the, is it important? What's the feeling in, in the state and, and your personal feeling? Why is this an important thing to tackle? So again, early on as infrastructure owners, it was more of a preparation, right? Because if you recall back in that time frame, there was a lot of disruptive technologies, ride sharing uh, and mobility services that were coming into communities and, and disrupting for better or worse, you know, um, uh, how communities were, were providing these services. So we were trying to get out ahead of it and figure out, okay, as an infrastructure owner, how do we prepare for this? Um, and, and then as, as that discussion evolved, then it was focused on the safety, right? Um, if you think about it, you know, car manufacturers, roadway engineering have made great strides in trying to protect road users, right? you know, the, the, all the advancements in car technologies to protect the occupants and even people outside of the roadway, uh, outside of the vehicle. Um, infrastructure owners looking at roadway design and features to help protect the people that use that facility. The one critical piece that's missing is the driver, the actual person controlling that vehicle. And societies have wrestled with carrots and sticks and trying to figure out how to best have people um, operate their vehicles in a responsible way. But yet fatalities continue to go up, collision rates continue to go up. Even during a pandemic, we had a 30, roughly 30% drop in, in uh, uh, people driving, but yet our fatalities were up 10%. Um, so again, you know, technology has helped with roadway safety. Now we need to look at driver safety. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've commented many times on this. Uh, we've done a great job with, uh, with uh, crash mitigation aspects of it, dealing with it to protect the driver, the airbags and so on. I, I'd hate to say back in the day, I said, I'm, I'm never going to wear a seatbelt. I mean, I, I was a Trumpian on that one. I'm never going to do it. Holy hell, no, there's nothing. I put that sucker on all that. You know, so, some of us eventually learn and might take a while, but but yeah, but but, but these things are all in there. And, and of course, everybody likes to talk about you know the the ninety whatever percent of of, mm -hmm. of uh, crashes and so on. I I say ninety percent of crashes are blah blah are because of of human misbehavior, and we should mm -hmm. call it misbehavior because we should give it a bad name. We should have a little little uh, stool in the corner and put a dunce cap on them whenever anybody does it. So just point out that this is you know. As I like to say, when when we start doing this, look, right. it's not what we're. If you, it, why do we, why are we asked to stop at a stop sign? It's to be able to make sure we can look here and look there that, that nobody's coming, so that we don't get whacked. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's all about safety. Yet, yet we start doing this, and we start doing this, and we start doing some. I mean, you know, that's when we're really focused. All right. of us Impairment. are really good. All of right. us are really good, okay? And Whether or seeing, not technology seeing... can beat us, I don't know, okay? But, 
let's stop this. Let's stop all this other junk. Right. Okay. Well, you know, direct, uh, our, our director, John Halakowski, uh, often uh, tells us we need to try to make bad driving and impaired driving kind of like what happened with smoking, right? You would never walk into a daycare center and fire up a cigarette. The whole community in that building would lash out against you. We need to have that same mentality when we have parties and we're serving alcohol or, or yeah. we know somebody who's doing something. It has to just become a pariah within society. Yeah, and, and I think we have made progress, you know, yeah. the, the designated driver and so on and so forth. But, uh, but of course, you know, if we can get this technology to work as well as we work when we pay attention, then the good thing about it is it's not going to, or, I mean, we should be able to write the code so it doesn't misbehave. Right. Come on. I mean, you know, every time misbehave, yeah. somebody goes in there, oh, I'm going to change that line of code, bam, you know, and we're good, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so, you know, I mean, as, as opposed to, you know, changing the behavior, as you pointed out, changing the behavior of some of these folks out here, you know, it's like a real challenge, right? Right. So, you know, so again, it was, it was, you know, what changes do we need to do with the infrastructure and then safety and then finally mobility. Um, you know, we have a, a, a large population of, of, of elderly individuals in Arizona, big retirement communities. Um, and uh, we have, you know, every community has people who are either visually impaired or have, uh, you know, ability challenges that don't allow them to operate a vehicle. And if you can set it up so that, um, you know, they can get the service mobility on demand that they need when they need it. I mean, society is going to benefit. I mean, the, the, the technology has ripple effects beyond just it's not going to crash. I mean, it's so nice to hear you say that because I guess in my listening of others, so few really say it, that in fact, the opportunity here is to provide mobility and, and you know, more mobility correlates directly with quality of life. I mean, if we Absolutely. could, I guess, I guess, sure. Look at what we had to do in the pandemic when we were, we were stuck at home. Uh, <laughs> many people, you really, you want to go back, you want to go back to that? I, I don't think Imagine so. Imagine people okay. that that's their whole life. Yeah. Imagine people that don't have a car sitting out there in the driveway that they can just hop on and take to wherever the heck they want to go. I mean, uh, to me, that that is that's what sort of fuels Fred and I uh, uh, and me on the, on this thing is that, you know, and this is a to this is an opportunity for for them. And and will they own one? Uh, why should they own one if, you know, somebody should be able to, as I think Waymo is doing there in Arizona, be able to make it available to you and, and, and make it available to you. Geez, it's just a little bit of code that sends it out to you. They don't have to get somebody out of bed to say, hey, you have to go drive, brush your teeth first and put on your shoes. I mean, you know, the darn thing goes. Goes yeah, and there are some amazing, well. amazing mobility on demand models out there where, you know, here I am in a meeting right now having a conversation with you, and I can set up my day to know that, you know, at nine o'clock, um, I need to be on my way to my next meeting, and, and I can set it up so that I walk out of my office or my home, and there's a vehicle there waiting for me. I get in, it knows that it's going to drop me off at location B, and that there's a person there that needs to go to, to location C. 
Right, because the system is out there knowing all this stuff and it can manage it and it doesn't have to get into your privacy, smivacy, whatever, and so on. And all of a sudden coordinates itself. And as we, of course, need to think about around here is we should try to share rides. The sharing sure. of rides, if we can make that so that, you know, when people are in there, they're on their phones anyway. They don't even know you're there. I mean, you know, you know, look you on look, an airplane. You, I, I, I look at my students who go out on a date. I see I walk in a restaurant, they're on a date. Each of them, you know, they're like this. I mean, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Whatever, you know, but I don't know. But so, so it's, you know, they can do that, right? And, 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 and all of a sudden, look at what you have. I mean, in, instead of the environmental or the cost associated of a vehicle taking one person, you now have that for taking two. How about three or two or three? Yeah. I mean, it should definitely fit all, in. That, yeah, it should what, definitely that, fit into the mass transit scheme. Absolutely. It, it, it is. It is mass transit without the masses. Okay, because because you don't need that and, and, and you can't get masses because to get masses, you have to have people wait around for all day. You have to have people only going to this thing and then, you know, who knows what having to do and so on. So the way we've ended up distributing ourselves is a, it's a it's a two Z, three Z type of thing. It's not a 50 E, you know, Manhattan. Who, who cares about it? Forget Manhattan. I mean, you know, that, it's separate. The Manhattan can take care of itself. Okay, we're not doing here in Jersey. Well, although again, recovering Jersey. New Yorker here, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we're yeah. No, I understand here, but you know, hey, uh, we can't look. We can't solve all the world's problems here. So, but look, look in Arizona. I mean, it's perfect. And then what one of the things that, that, that my students and I have found in looking at, you know, trip patterns nationwide and how this thing would serve, turns out that in rural communities, you almost you have you have op opportunities for ride sharing. Why? Even though there are fewer people there, there are fewer places to go. Mm. And so therefore, guess what? There are still twosies and threesies who might want to go there at certain times of day. Two o'clock in the morning. Of course not. OK. But heck, you know, New Jersey Transit doesn't operate their buses at two o'clock in the morning. OK, so anyway, right. Kevin, the, the first and, and I think only place where there is truly driverless mobility being offered commercially to the public is in, in the Chandler, world, Arizona, in right. the world, in the world, right, is in Chandler, is in Chandler. Waymo. right, isn't that true? Yeah. What insights can you give us about the role the DOT played in allowing Waymo to make that decision to take that risk? Sure. So, you know, hindsight, um, I will tell you that much of the credit goes to the partnerships that we've been able to form with uh, the city of Chandler from, you know, the mayor's office to the, to the police chief, to the fire chief, um, to the elected officials there in the community. I'm a resident of Chandler. Um, it's a great city to live in, and uh, we've been able to form those partnerships with our with, with, with the local communi uh, communities. And and I would say communication and collaboration early and often was key. Um, you know, when 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 I first got into this space, I had all the same questions that everybody else kind of has. What if, right? What if the vehicle goes out of control and it doesn't stop? You know, what if it just loses its way and crashes into something? Well, those weren't 
those were not, those are not new challenges that we face, right? Um, I had a coworker who was on, on a way to a meeting and was driving on an interstate and, and unfortunately, a woman in the other direction had a medical issue and passed out behind the wheel, crossed over the median and, and, and severely injured him. He was, thankfully, he's, he's healthy today, but it was uh, an issue of just a person blacked out behind the wheel because of a medical condition. Um, you know, you look around the roadway when you're driving around, you really, those are all individuals operating a vehicle. And everybody has a different level of skill, abilities, health. You know, somebody had a good night's sleep. Somebody else didn't. Somebody's distracted because of a thing that's happening at home or, 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 or a trouble that they're struggling with. And yet, you know, we're asking them to focus and be on the roadway. So, you know, what, what, what really helped us was stepping back as a government and going, okay, what is our current authority, right? And what, is, what are we talking about? How do, we, how do we advance what we believe will be a, a, a benefit to society on many different levels? And are we introducing any new risks? And if so, how can we mitigate them? And this process over time, really, we looked at is really, we have the authority and the abilities we need right now. And we will, we will implement new tools if the data and there's evidence to show that we need to do something. Um, it's hard for government not to do a knee-jerk reaction to, well, we've got to control this because somebody may get hurt, right? And government is responsible for at least trying to protect the citizenry that they serve. Um, so again, it was a lot of dialogue with the local communities. There was a lot of questions early on. And hats off to the companies that are testing here. Our expectation is that they're going to engage frequently and often with us. And, and the communities in which they're, they're uh, residing in. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, go I'm, ahead, Alan. I'm, I'm, you know, that's, I'm not doing it, you're doing it. I'm sitting here pontificating about it. <laughs> but, you know, but really the, the sociology of this is enormously important at this point. You know, the, the, it, it seems as if, and I believe, that the technology is really here. Now we need the sociology to be able to, to have it be welcomed in the community, have it be appreciated in the community, have it serve the community. And in, in some sense, the, the sort of the other concept that, that Fred and I have been talking about here is one in which since we're at the very beginning, we still have the opportunity to do some, some molding and some shaping of this technology in, in a way such that, such that it really does serve those that it is trying to serve. So it should be listening to them. It should be engaging with exactly as you say, you know, the community piece just seems uh, and seems to be so important to us from the outside. And it's nice to hear that from the inside, those that are actually accomplished this have seen that this is an important step. Right. So, you know, I look back in late 20, you know, I think it was late 2018 when they launched, um, Waymo launched their, their, their program for uh, commercial use. Mm-hmm. But before that, they adopted an early rider program. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because, um, you know, I had been working in this field for a while then and handling a lot of these issues. 
And I started seeing this vehicle show up at my children's school and dropping a family off and picking them up. And this was their vehicle to use when they needed it within, you know, a certain area. And so, you know, they involved the community early. They got early adopters. And I can tell you anecdotally, but I think at some point, if we do a survey in the city of Chandler and, you know, parts of Tempe and Mesa where these services are available, I could tell you anecdotally as a resident of Chandler, people don't, people are not concerned about this vehicle. In fact, early on, the one question I would always get is, how do I get in one of these? How do I become part of this? Um, and, uh, you know, when, when I first took my kids and my family in one uh, back in, I think, in October, uh, we had, you know, drive, driven around and the kids were like looking at the vehicles next to them like, hey, look at us. There's nobody in the front. Look at us. People didn't pay any attention at all. I mean, that, that's that's sort of wonderful. I mean, the, the, the no news, the, the know what the, the, about it is really what's so great because, because if, if it's really going to provide the mobility and the improvement yeah. and the quality of life to, to people that, that it really has the yeah. opportunity to do, it, it, it can't be an amusement ride. It, it, right, it has to be right. a normal it's a thing. Yeah, right. it's, it's, this is, you don't want to make Chandler into Disneyland, you know? Right? No, and I we mean, don't want to, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to risk people on, on just something that's cool. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> so, and, and, and you think of the mobility options for people. So I mentioned earlier, I took one of our uh, directors from another agency Department of Administration, because there's some discussion about uh, in the future using these vehicles to move employees around or, or um, uh, people who need services, right? So we, we took a ride. Um, and, and, and he was fascinated, was fascinated with the technology. But um, when, we, when we came back to the Chili's after the ride, because that's where I'd like to start and end my day, right, at Chili's, um, this couple came up to us and were like, you know, our kids really want to take a ride in the robot car. That's what they call it, the robot car. How do we, you know, and I said, look, just, you know, go, go find the app <clears throat> and download it and, you know, yeah. and try it. And they said, we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's... The 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 uh, world leadership that you are doing in the deployment of this is is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you know, you, irrespective of all the people that say we're gonna we're gonna we're looking into it's gonna it's all the gunnas you're doing it you're 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 actually doing it and and it's actually it's actually working and, and you know this guy oh it doesn't go everywhere well my car doesn't go everywhere okay yeah, I, mean, right. you know, I mean get well, out of and, here. I mean, and i often it, hear it, the criticism yeah. that, well it doesn't work in the snow well okay right now it, it doesn't work in the snow and yes we get snow in arizona for your listeners yeah. no i know you snow, do get yeah. snow you know everybody um, seems but, to think you guys okay, don't get you know <laughs> listen when the first car came out was right was i able to go you know from california to new york in, in the first car, I mean, we, we got to put some realistic and we shouldn't rush the technology um, it, it, for the wrong reasons. This, this isn't being solved to get people through six feet of snow or in, through fog. Are you kidding? <laughs> There's fog. Stop. OK, wait for. Well, the fog. we have. And that's exactly you know, right. I mean, you know, our, this is like crazy. I've been in rainstorms and dust storms where I had to pull over. 
and wait for it to pass. Not you had it, you shoulda. Okay, yep. you know, in, in a sense, I mean, what, what are you uh, trying to be Superman or something? Come on, <laughs> cut it out. And, and in fact, what I like to say around here in New Jersey, you know, I'd love to have 24 7, 360. Don't need to do 365. I, last, yeah. I think last winter, three or four times, Governor Murphy, a state of emergency in New Jersey, stay at home, don't drive. Okay, and that's that's not because we have, you know, Waymo all over the place here. It's because <laughs> he knows that if we get out there, I mean, we can't do it. So cut yeah. it out. <laughs> know your limitations. Well, Kevin, right. for, and, and, for those of us who, who haven't had the opportunity to, to ride as you have in, in one of these vehicles from, from Waymo, there, people have questions. Is this for real? There's no one from Waymo in the vehicle. There's no one from Waymo following the vehicle. So describe for us what is going on, what the reality is. Sure. So um, when they launched their Waymo One program, um, they opened it up that people within that, within that geographic area, which is roughly about 50 square miles in the East Valley, primarily the city of Chandler, um, that you can, uh, just like you would an Uber or Lyft, request the vehicle. And uh, it will tell you, yes, there is a uh, autonomous, there's a self-driving Waymo available. It'll be there in three minutes. Now we do have, we had had instances where there's been inclement weather and out of an abundance of caution, it would say, look, um, there's a vehicle available, be there in three minutes, but there will be a safety driver in the vehicle. Um, that hasn't happened to me yet. And I've used it, I don't know, roughly six or seven times over the past few months, more so to give people the experience. But so you would, you would punch in where you're at. It'll, it, it knows where you're at. It'll tell you, uh, ask you where you want to go. And then when you put that information in, a, a white Chrysler Pacifica Waymo vehicle will pull up. And in the windshield, there's a digital screen that has your initials in it. And the vehicle pulls up, the doors open, you get in, you press start my ride, and uh, you're, nobody is in the front. Uh, the, the front is kind of blocked off with a plastic plexiglass. And the screen gives you all the information, where you're going, what's the route. Um, there's a button up on top that, that allows you to pull the vehicle over if there's an issue or if you feel you don't want to do this, you just press the pull over button and it finds a safe place to pull over. There's a uh, two-way communication with their operations center, which is also in Chandler. And that's come on a couple of times with me. Uh, in fact, I was on a ride and it took a different route that I was expecting it to go. And the customer service individual came on and said, Mr. Beastie, this is Waymo customer service. Just wanted to let you know that it, we're switching the route. It won't delay you too much, but there was an issue up ahead that the vehicle wants to avoid. Um, and so, yeah, it pulls up to the destination. Now I will tell you, it's not laser accurate. There are certain areas where it won't drop you off at the exact location for whatever reason, but within a, a reasonable distance of where you want to be dropped off. And the vehicle pulls over and it lets you out. 
get out and away it goes. You can even change your route mid mid drive. Kevin, that's decide, terrible. Oh. <laughs> that's terrible. You mean if I want to be dropped off in the middle of an intersection and get run over, it won't let me do it won't <laughs> let me do that. I mean, what the heck? I mean, come on, Waymo. Yeah. Come on. And are you sure there's not a guy back there in the back with a little something no, like no. that? Oh, you know, I was part of an experiment like that with with Volvo. They yeah. did an experiment with that where actually the person I thought in the back that was uh, just a um, an engineer, actually there was a black fake um, like cover and I couldn't see their hands, but they were they were operating the vehicle. I, I won't name names, but I know. And I know of enormous number of fake videos out there by reputable companies mm-hmm. in which they were no, I, I would invite okay. anybody, and, 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 you know, who, and, and it, is, it, it is, it is, you know, look, Volkswagen and so on got hopefully whacked really bad for cheating. And right. we can't have people in this business cheat. Okay. No, this, I've, this I've seen series. behind the curtain. Okay. This is the real deal. And, and we yeah. have other companies here who are testing, uh, not doing commercial deployment with riders like Waymo is, but we have two simple who's moving yeah. freight from, yeah you know, California to Texas and the border. And, and uh, we got about eight, anywhere from eight to a dozen companies at any one time. Well, the, yeah, operations, I mean, I think, the uh, operations center is not actually controlling the vehicle in any no. way for people who might wonder about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I think we have, you know, I mean, I, I to my, my view on the, on, if you're doing testing, then you should have somebody in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? They can, they can be just, you know, I'm a big believer in the whole disengagement thing, you know, uh, you know, disengagements are a number of disengagements you have are important. I mean, you're learning, as we were discussing before, you're you're learning what you don't know. Okay. And so disengagement, in fact, you should be testing, testing so that you maximize number of disengagements. So you find the maximum places where you have to fix it. But certainly when you're testing, absolutely have somebody in there. I mean, it's testing without anybody in it. What are you trying to prove? I mean, if the person ends up not doing anything, then it's as if they weren't there. So that, you know, that that's a great test or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So anyway, that, that, but, but when you're carrying customers and to be able to do it affordably, which I think is one of the missions here. You know, hey, if this is only for rich people, then that's one thing. But rich people have had it. I mean, you get a chauffeur, you can get a black car, you can get whatever, you can get a helicopter, you can get a, whatever. Uh, But, you know, the the idea of if you're really trying to provide mobility to folks who could who could really benefit, improve their lives uh, from this, uh, then, in fact, you're you're going to have to make it affordable. Okay, and the affordability is the, is the real opportunity here. And if you have to pay for a Waymo engineer to be in there, you probably can't afford it. Okay, and yeah. so therefore that doesn't solve anything. Uh, but getting getting it in the way that you are doing it out there in Arizona, my goodness, that that's that's and as far as I know, the only place in the world. Well, you know, I've, I've Waymo's been on with us, and you know they've congratulate them on, on how yeah, careful yeah. they've been in deploying yeah. yeah well and i've mentioned this in other other conversations with folks you know I, I really i've been in government here in the state of arizona for almost 30 years and this is one of the the one issues where there is there is absolutely alignment 
you know, from the governor down to our agency directors, down to our local governments and across the county and and um, and, and and everybody sees the, the the ripple effect of the benefits impacting many people um, and 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 everybody really is pulling in the same way. So it's 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 rather refreshing. <laughs> well, it, it's it's really nice to, to have you say that and to hear you say that from someone who's who's actually doing it as opposed to thinking about doing it or gonna do it or all the other whatevers. And and um, and and this is what Fred and I and many others here in New, Jer- <clears throat> New Jersey are trying to create in New Jersey is uh, we're really trying to learn from you. Uh, why why do we want to learn from you is because as, as we look at it or, uh, you you're successful at this uh, and you've you've gone through and 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 any help you can give us to to keep us from you know i'm sure you hit some rough spots and so on and so forth uh, uh, we just want to we just want to learn from you because because here we think in new jersey we we do what you, you're doing in Chandler. We're going to improve many people's lives. Well, we need to make... learn from each other. I mean, there, there's no there's no competition, you know, on safety. Right. I mean, we just yeah, need absolutely. to because because everything we've done is is out of you know learning from other states and sitting down. Like I said, it's really a big part of it was you know when Governor Ducey came uh, became governor, you know, he challenged his agencies learn, you know, go places, learn and bring it back. Right. Um, and that's what we should all be doing is, is, is having these conversations and, and learning and advancing together. We're, we're all about this. You know, there's, there's always in, in, in the private sector, the issue of collusion and so on and antitrust and blah, 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 right. and IP protection to do. do. Uh, but uh, Fred and I sit here and argue that, that my goodness, you know, when it comes to safety, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we want collusion. Yeah. We want cooperation. We should all be in this together. You know, you have one bad thing. It's bad on everybody. Uh, and if you find you, you trip over something that's, oh, my goodness, I solved something. Let everybody else know, too. Come on. I mean, one isn't going to go out there. and compete. The aviation industry is a good example of that. And look at what they've done for us. You know, mm-hmm. look, look at how safe that darn thing is. My goodness, it is phenomenal. Before we take a quick break, uh, Kevin, uh, based on the experience so far, tell us what uh, your vision, maybe the vision of the state is, and you speak more for yourself, but what's the vision for the future here moving beyond Chandler? I mean, this is, this is real in Chandler and everybody wonders, okay, you're doing it in Chandler. What's next? So, I think, you know, you know, what we're doing right now is we're going to continue our cautious and deliberate approach, right? And continue to evolve safely with these companies. You know, I, uh, the Transportation Research Board, which is part of the National Academy of Science, had a great um, paper that they released, oh, back in 2016 or so, 2015 timeframe, and they, they looked at all the disruptive technologies that, that we've been through, everything from the railroad to electricity to the automobile, and, and I see a lot of it like the, uh, when electricity was, was starting to become a mainstream in, in, in America. You know, it started out in the city, and it gradually branched out, right? It wasn't 
it wasn't in every part of the country all at once, but it started and it just branched out from there. And I think that's what you're going to see with these technologies. They're going to be in a primarily urban area and, you know, their operational design domain, which is the fancy term of, you know, this is where I can operate and where I can't operate. Um, is going to gradually expand. And you're going to see that. I mean, yes, we have Chandler, Arizona, we have the East Valley, but we also have I, the I-10 corridor on, in Arizona and parts of California and Texas um, utilizing these technologies up on I-40. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of pockets and they're just going to expand. They're just just like the electrical grid. It's, it's just going to expand as the technology evolves. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETF, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing you may know that ETFs can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website again is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast and our guest, Kevin Beastie, Deputy Director for Policy at the Arizona Department of Transportation. Kevin, what are you hoping to see in the infrastructure bills coming out of Washington? What might be of most help to you? And does any of it relate to what's going on in, with the autonomous vehicles? Well, first, as a state department of DOT, Department of Transportation, uh, you know, funding overall for infrastructure is desperately needed, both at the federal level and, and, and local level, like a lot of states are, are struggling with. But in, in this realm, um, I guess, you know, the first thing I would, I would ask is that, you know, they, we do no harm, Right. Um, let's look at, let's not delay these necessary safety advancements due to fear. Um, you know, when we're talking about community uh, acceptance to, to, to these technologies, you know, psychologically, we fear things we don't know, right? Um, it's, just, it's just built into us. So I think the more we become exposed to these technologies and the more we experience them, fear will decline. We shouldn't... Um, you know, slow things down and, and, and still have 30 plus thousand fatalities, you know, that's, you know, a hundred people a day, a uh, hundred lives lost every day because there may be some, some, some risk. We shouldn't be reckless, but we should move forward and we should try not to reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about vehicles operating on the roadway, which has been done, you know, for, for, for decades. Let's, let's look at our existing regulatory structure, the feds, you know, NHTSA, you know, vehicle op, uh, the, the vehicle design and, and equipment and the states, you know, governing the operation on the roadway. And let's see how we can move forward and identify those areas where we absolutely need additional regulation or, or um, uh, tools in our toolbox to, 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 to advance. But, but again, we, we need to move on this and we shouldn't, shouldn't just, you know, again, uh, have fear or, or, or other issues slow us down. Do you see any place or any room here for private ownership of truly driverless vehicles? Well, personally, 
Yeah, I, I I like driving. I like the ability if um, you know that I have a vehicle that that um, I can go where I need to go when I need to go. But that's not a reality for everybody. And these these technologies are are extremely expensive right now. And it's going to be a fleet model. That's my prediction. It's going to be um, a fleet model where it's a service that that you subscribe to. Um, and then how that fits into mobility for everybody is is going to grow with the with the technology. Um, so I, again, I think if we look at our current structure here in America and how we're laid out, um, you know, cost is going to be a, a driving force, and you know, no pun intended on on whether or not these are going to be individually owned. But um, I do I do believe, and the model is. The models out there right now are these are going to be fleet operations for the foreseeable future. Well, Alan talks frequently about the liability issues alone. Yeah, Fred asked me that question, and I won't be, I won't hum, I, I won't hem and hum like like Kevin. I'll just say, you know, personal ownership of these things is almost silly. Okay, I am too irresponsible to own one of these things. Uh, you know, I'm going to have my vehicle go out all by itself to go give Kevin a ride and, and be out there without me, you know, somewhat being responsible. I don't know. I'm just, I, I well, don't think, Alan, I don't think I mean, that happens. I just, there are, I just there don't are, think. <laughs> there are programs right now where people lease out their vehicles, right? Um, yeah, I understand. You know, the insurance market was able to come together and say, okay, we need to, you know, accommodate this. Lyft drivers, Uber drivers. Yeah, just, how, how expensive? How expensive is the insurance going to be? You know, it's going to. I think, guess the question, I'm, the question I'm the one be, I'm responsible for maintaining. I just, that, to me, to me, I think, uh, you know, it, it, I think that that the fleet model is so powerful in terms of a in terms of a business case. A, 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 a ability to make a profit, the ability to deliver a service that it is, it, it is just going to dominate this as opposed to me, something that I can't drive that is whatever that I'm not in that I just send out to go get my go get my chicken sandwich and bring it back to me. I mean, I just think it's like yeah. totally silly. Well, I, 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 I just I don't as, see it. Yeah. I don't see it. I took it. the question <laughs> as, you know, could I like, you know, I have a I have a Honda Civic right now that right. I use. You know, yeah. do, would I would would I be able to purchase a fully self-driving Honda Civic for my personal use? And you, know, you never drive is, is is Honda willing to take the responsibility once to, they sell that, that to you? They hands? tell you it's full self driving. That's the, 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 that sucker that 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 the driver that they put in there that that's going to drive it is going to work, and and they're the ones they're the ones that are going to have to be responsible for. It. Right. Well, I, I, mean, I I'm I'm I mean, I'm a firm believer that our current insurance uh, uh, industry is going to come up with a model for it. They did with ride sharing. They did with everything else. They say, okay, you know, here's, here's how much it's going to cost you for this policy based on the risk spread out over this number of people. 
Sure. So, so Jeff Bezos will be able to do that. Great. Thanks, Jeff. I'm, I'm, I, and you and Elon can go he can ahead. Put it on it. His, he can put it on his rocket policy. He can put it on his rocket, you know, but I don't, I, I don't know. Kevin, maybe you're a rich guy. Uh, uh, you know, I can't, aff- I'll, I'll never afford that. Plus I'm a cheap guy. I'm, I'm a state employee. At, I'm, I, I, let's be clear. I'm a state employee. Well, you know, I'm a university professor. That's even worse. I mean, you know, that's even worse. Uh, some other headlines anyway. <laughs> to get to, uh, Alan, in, in the Smart Driving yep. Cars newsletter, and we welcome your participation here too, Kevin. Ford has announced that along with Argo, which it partly owns, it will join with Lyft to offer autonomous rides on the Lyft ride-hailing service. Uh, the plan is to begin in Miami later this year at Austin, Texas next year, initially with safety drivers on board, of course, I suppose, with the goal to remove them at an unspecified time. I, I think it's great, but it's, you know, it's a gonna, uh, Kevin did a, there's a difference. So I, I'm glad that, you know, somebody else is gonna, and I think, I think what they're, what they're focused on is, 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 is right. Certainly in the beginning, you have to have, you, you, you have to have a driver in there. I mean, people are going to go nuts if you don't. You're talking about a thousand vehicles at first. The sociology of the whole thing. I mean, you know, when they first put elevators in buildings, there was an elevator operator. Trust me. Okay. All right. So, yes. But it's wonderful that Ford's doing that. And uh, one little add-on here. Lyft is getting a 2.5% stake in Argo through this deal, which is interesting okay yeah i think i think ford argo paid too much but that, that's all right i'm like hey i'm a professor i'd say a bunch of junk <laughs> yeah i think you'll see a lot more of these partnerships right because you know i think what you'll hear some companies say is you know well we're in the car building business we're not in the technology business and the technology companies saying we're not in the car you know, car building business, we're in the technology business. That's why you see these platforms going on, um, you know, existing uh, platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to get the best of breed getting together to, and, 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 and cooperating to do this. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, as we've discussed here, Fred, also, you know, Lyft, and Lyft and Uber don't get beyond 1% of the trips nationwide unless they do what is being done in Chandler and what, Ford Argo expects to do in in um, in Texas and in in uh, Florida. I mean, you, you can't you can't either either you have to not be paying people, which you know that doesn't fly, or it's too darn expensive. Okay, and so you, they hey when they were created, they had the vision of being there. They hit a rough spot, sold off the stuff that they were doing. Now they're you know getting back in with people who can maybe actually do it. Yeah, the partnerships like Kevin pointed out. Exactly what Kevin said. There's a new piece in Forbes online from Alan Oonsman uh, headlined, Tesla's full self-driving push is okay in California because it's not real self-driving. 
despite what they call it, I suppose. We were talking about private ownership, and yeah. I guess states I mean, are, states know, are being asked it, to take it, a stand it's, here. It's totally irresponsible to call that that. It's just totally irresponsible. And and you know, at some it's, at some point, some entity is finally going to say no. You know, this you're 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 this is false advertising. You know, Twitter should take you know folks who talk about it off of Twitter because this is fake news. Okay, I mean. Come on, it's it's not even close. The videos that are out there, the last re- re- release, you know. After well, we've had what, we've two had minutes, a couple you know? of yeah, we've had a couple of horrific uh, incidences here in 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 Arizona where uh, people, whether or not they believe their vehicle was self driving, whether or not, or they circumvented the system, but they tried to do something with the system that it wasn't capable of doing, and in one instance. We had an individual actually, you know, the, the, you know, allegation is in, he apparently admitted this. He put it on autopilot and took a nap and the vehicle slammed into the back of a state trooper's vehicle that was working another accident and pushed it into an ambulance. Thankfully, nobody was killed, but it was a horrific wreck. It's it's horrific. And, and, you know, and I've commented on that one and the, and the other ones and, and said, look, the problem there may not even be autopilot. The problem is the automated emergency braking system didn't work. Oh, my goodness. You're going to go on and say something's full driving when your automated emergency braking system doesn't work. How does a Tesla hit a stationary object ahead? It should never do that. It shouldn't hit a tree and burn up. It should have never hit the tree, whether or not it has full self-driving or whatever they call well, that, it. That goes to, you know, for other manufacturers too, I think. Right. Are you kidding? Oh, come on. Now, I know, I think I know. Yeah, we have to do better in that, that area. We, we have to do, we must do better. And, and Kevin, you know, I'm sure you, you and with your motor vehicle commission there and so on are trying to get them but my goodness you're going to say i can take my hands off the wheel and feed off the brakes yet this thing goes and hits things that are in in the road ahead stationary excuse me the code there's, there's, there's a problem in the code okay? don't, don't beat around the bush alan how do you no, really I'm feel not, about no, that i know i don't know but i mean and and this is code there's a line in the code someplace that says disregard that it knew it it knew it and they say oh well i won't hit the brakes i that's what the code, if you want, if you did a listing of the code and went down each line, what code just goes one line at a time, you know, that's all code does, irrespective guess, of what guess, anybody else thinks. Give, no, go ahead. Yes, for, for, for now, for now, I mean, <laughs> for now, it's driver assistance. I mean, all of this is in right. people, advanced driver, yeah. Uh, let's you, you not even call it advanced let's just call it you know maybe that's maybe it's our problem maybe we shouldn't be calling it advanced maybe we should just call it driver assistance i mean maybe you know because you still really have fair. to be when a driver. it, when it hits station when it hits stationary things in the road ahead it's not that's very advanced it is not very advanced Another headline, Mercedes-Benz has put out a press release saying it is getting ready to go all electric by the, by the end of the decade. I guess in, in a sense, they're, 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 joining, they're joining the club here. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I was just thinking about it, you know, because I guess, you know, I've owned a lot of Mercedes or whatever. So what I mean, when's the this last covers, time this I, covers trucking and all their platforms? Yeah, whatever. Saying, right? when, when's the last time I looked under the hood to see what's on, in a Mercedes? I, they don't even go vroom vroom as I go. I mean, you, you, whatever. And 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 so that was Mazda, I think. But go ahead. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, people want people people. I don't know that they will notice except, you know. Um, especially here in New Jersey, we'll never notice because none of us fill up. At, uh, Kevin, you may not know in New Jersey, there's a law that, that in fact, you have to have an attendant fill your gas tank. Is that still <laughs> on the so, books? No, 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 that's yes, still on is. the books. I mean, we, we live so high on the hog here in, in New Jersey. People, do, people don't realize it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, here, Mercedes drivers don't even have to fill up their cars because we wow. pull up there. I imagine there uh, you the gas station lo- the gas station attendant lobby is pretty strong in Jersey still, huh? <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything. I'm keeping my legs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, also in the newsletter, Alan, an ICCT report, which is related to this. Uh, a global comparison of the life cycle greenhouse gas emissions of combustion engine and electric passenger cars. It says only battery electric and hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles have the potential to achieve the magnitude of life cycle GHG emissions reductions needed to meet Paris agreement goals. You had some comments on this in the newsletter. Well, you know, the, the, the conclusion may, may really be true, but I, I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they, they began the whole darn thing right because because one of the challenges of, of doing a, a replacement of an internal combustion with an electric is that if you want to look at the emissions, it's the emissions you have in the beginning, you remove the emissions of the of the of the internal combustion and you add the emission of the electric vehicle. Okay. But the electric vehicle, when you add that emission, when you do that replacement, needs its energy, needs its electricity. And the question is, where does, it, where does that come from? That is new electricity that needs to be created because it doesn't exist with the internal combustion vehicle. That's new electricity. So something has to, that has to come from someplace. Now, if you take the whole electric grid and say it operates really efficiently, minimum emissions, that means that it is using only the minimum emission stuff. And the more it needs, the more it needs, the more emissions it's going to create. Now, if you live in a location in which Arizona, I would imagine you get all of your electricity from the sun, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but well, let's assume that. <laughs> You know, and you have ton of it. I, I've heard it's hot there, so you have a ton of it. So you have a bunch, bunch left over. So therefore, with this new electric vehicle, sure, hey, no emissions. But if you're in, I don't know, I don't know, maybe Kentucky or I don't know, Texas. I know Texas still has some coal plants. They've been trying to close all their coal plants. But because of the electric demand in Texas, they still have to have the coal plants running. Now you say, hey, I have now another electric vehicle that I have to, I have to run. Well, what do they do? They're going to have to keep a little bit more of the coal plants running to be able to fit. So you're actually running that sucker on coal. 
So if you want to do this analysis right, you have to look at the introduction of the EVs over time between now and 2050 and see what the heck is available in terms of the, the, the production of the electricity that's going to actually do these guys. Because right now, all these vehicles are running off of pet petroleum. That is, you know, you know what that is. But over time, yes, it's going to get better as we get more of the whatevers and so on. But if you look at the charts, and we've, we've talked about the charts from Lawrence Livermore, you just look at the flow charts of, of where, where energy comes from in the U.S. I mean, you know, still, you know, 20-some percent of it is coming from coal. Okay, and if you look at what really comes from across the U.S. in terms of the electricity for the whole society and what comes from, 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 from solar, you can barely see it, you know? So just go to the Lawrence Livermore charts. and <laughs> Anyway, that's what we face. And you have to look at those charts over time between now and 2050 and beyond and so on and so forth. So what we need to do is, you know, if we're going to do this, we really have to, we have to get some we have to deal with the electric electric grid inf infrastructure but anyway everybody knows that so i don't know i just comment on it again one more story the intel mobileye announcement that it's testing autonomous vehicles in new york city <laughs> um We've been look, so, with, with when, safety drivers, of course. Yeah, well, some <laughs> Jesus. I mean, well, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Kevin, you, you, you're a recovered, uh, you know, New York City or whatever. Still recovered. Uh, what, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, you know, I don't know. I, I guess that goes in clickbait or something like that. Uh, GM, a few years ago, GM and Cruz went in there and they said that they were going to test in New York. I think that. And, in Manhattan, they lasted about 12 seconds, and they said, "Oh my goodness, you know, I'm I'm just not Frank Sinatra on this thing, you know." I mean, I, Kevin, what you've done there in, in Arizona, some of us might like to say it was easy there, okay? Because you know, you do have the climate, you do have some relatively new streets, you have a nice place to do it, and so on. Some of us don't have as good as that, but my goodness, let's get this working. Let's get this really working there. Uh, New York, I mean, you know, that, that's, at, that's at the end of some asymptote out there. You know, by the time we can, this thing can deliver any value to Manhattan. Uh, I mean, we are going to be so many, such a large percentage of the, of the U.S. will have so much value and then we will finally get the man. They have a subway. They have, they have cabs. They, they, you can walk most places that you really want to go right. in Manhattan. I mean, cut it out. That's yeah, often, often, often faster than you can get there in a, in a car. Yeah, GM yeah. Cruise has been has been been operating here as well, doing some yeah. testing here, yeah. and they they also do San Francisco. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, San Francisco, you know, maybe before New York, who knows? Oh, and and in fact, you know, I sure hope Trenton is before New uh, San Francisco, and I sure hope Mercer County, and I sure sure hope most of New Jersey, and I sure hope most of most of Arizona, and, and so on is, is in fact before downtown San Francisco. Downtown San Francisco has a pretty good this yeah. transportation system it, well it's, if there's anything we could do to help or provide input to to, to you and and uh i mean 
That's, Kevin, we need to work on this together. Hey, thank you very much for the offer because we're going to be uh, we're going to be knocking. Uh, um, you know, we're, come we're to Arizona. Come, we'll, we'll, we'll take a ride and we'll go see yeah. the the op center and go see some no, commercial I, truck I, operations. We're we're going to take you open up on invitation. That. Okay, uh, thank you so very much, uh, Kevin. Thank you so very much. And and what I'd like to do is see, see if I can. I'd like, to, of course, bring the governor, the commissioner, and everybody else in tow out there. You know, I mean, I think. Look. <laughs> You, you are the only place in the world that anybody can bring anybody to actually see this working in the real, period. End of statement. And we That's really not want bad. To... That's no. not bad, Kevin. <laughs> Congratulate. No, seriously, look, and you should, you should raise a flag. You should tell the world. Absolutely, and be proud of it. And, and well, I know you are. Proud of, I know you are. I know you are. Of the of the, the, the you know the structure that that our leaders here have set up and and have allowed this to happen. Hey, we're 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 watching you, and we want to we want to we want to emulate you. And thank and you, thank you, Kevin, for taking the time to be with us, and and for all of the pioneering work there. Well, I, I thank you for this opportunity, and this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I look forward to having a conversation uh, with you gentlemen again. It seems to me that the, the real difference here is that you are looking for reasons to say yes instead of reasons to say no. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at smartdrivingcar.com, on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for podcasts. You can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, Fred, and thank you, Kevin. <laughs>